チャオ皆さんアニメアディクツアノニマスのライブブロードキャストを聞いていただきます You are listening to the Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast Make your anime addiction worse at aaapodcast.com And now, here are your anime addicts Hey guys, welcome to another story time episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. As most of you know, Mitsugi and the gang are going on a short vacation, probably just a couple weeks. So I wanted to record some little episodes for you to fill in the gas while we're gone. These are sort of little anecdotes about Japan. And I think a lot of you will probably be interested in, in the insights that I can provide about various topics regarding Japan. The Our initial story time episode that Chiaki and I did was about how we actually got to Japan. So, if you want to hear about the process of getting to Japan and finding a job in more in, in depth, I recommend you go back and listen to that episode. You know, that involves packing up all your stuff, selling your belongings, finding the job,、uh, the traveling over to Japan. And then, once you're in Japan, there's numerous things you have to do. You've got to find a place to live, you've you got to get a cell phone. Get a car sometimes. You know, all of these things can be really difficult if you, have, if you don't know how to do it. And not to mention culture shock, which a lot of you probably will get being in such a, a high context culture like Japan. It you know, can be very difficult. And also jet lag and dealing with jet lag. So, you know, talk about those topics in a prior story time episode. I also talked about the bathhouses in Japan, which, you know, that is. Everybody knows that that's one of my favorite things to do in Japan. The bathhouses are such a cultural experience and just leave you feeling really relaxed. And it's just so pleasurable every time that I do the bathhouse that, you know, it's something I want to do all the time while I'm over there. And it's the number one thing that I miss from Japan. So, a couple of insights from bathhouses, which is another story time episode that was already put out previously. So, I hope you guys enjoy listening to those. Go back, they're on the iTunes feed. You can listen to that, and I recommend that you do. Now, in the first Storytime episode, I think I, I recommended that you sort of、uh, find your, your, your home base in Tokyo in Asakusa. There are a number of reasons why I recommend Asakusa for a living while you're staying in Tokyo. And the first of which is that Asakusa has a lot of residential areas. There are some really nice hostels that I've stayed at personally. There's one in Asakusa that I've stayed at multiple times. And if you go to hostelworld.com, you'll probably find that, that, that hostel、uh, becoming very highly recommended. It's located in a, in a residential neighborhood, which by itself is pretty charming because you can kind of get the feeling of what, a of what a neighborhood in Japan might feel like. You see the, the, the storefront shops that people have the, in the first floor of their houses. And. You know, you get to see the charming life as it, as it is in, in Tokyo, you know, being, being a little bit less rural than the types of places where I was living. But there are also other reasons to go to Asakusa. Number two, I think Tokyo Skytree is right by there. So if you wanted to get to Skytree, you could walk from the hostel in about 25 minutes. It's, Tokyo Skytree is the largest standing tower in the, in the world. It's something like. 
2,000 feet tall, and you can go all the way to the top of the tower. It's a, it's a really interesting experience. I recommend that people do that if you do go to Tokyo. Also, the the Asahi corporate building is there, and, and I like to call it the giant yellow poop because the golden poop building, it actually has like a sideways golden water drop that I think is supposed to look like a drop of beer, but it's sideways on top of the building, and it looks like a giant yellow poop, so I just think it's funny. And also, last but not least, and this will probably interest a lot of a lot of people, is that the the Bandai corporate headquarters is located in Asakusa, and you can sort of walk walk around the building and see all of the statues they have of various Bandai characters throughout history. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. I've never actually been to the Bandai building while it's while it's open because I'm always out during the day doing things, and I always come back in the evening and it's already closed. But Maybe you can even go into the building. I don't know. But the the number one reason why I recommended Asakusa is that Asakusa is very close to Akihabara. Akihabara is just a short subway subway ride away from Asakusa. You take the 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 Tobu subway line to Asakusa Bashi, and then you take a uh, and then you take Asakusa Bashi to Akihabara. The entire Travel time is about 10 minutes, and it will only run you about 200 to 300 yen. So it's very cheap. It's very fast. You could literally walk from your hostel and be in Akihabara in probably 20 minutes because the state because the hostel is about 10 minutes from the state from the subway station. So you can't get much closer than that. So I definitely recommend that you do that. Now, the number one thing to do in Akihabara is, without a doubt, go to all the arcades. Um, Akihabara has been condensed recently into two major strips of road in the Akihabara district. And mostly, the anime shops line those two streets with with five- to six-story buildings. I think in the past, the anime reach in Akihabara was a little bit wider than, than just those two streets. But I'll tell you, they've sort of consolidated all the good stuff into those t- into that little area. So you don't have to walk a whole lot to get to all the things you want to do. So that's kind of a that's kind of to your benefit. Now these arcades that I spoke of in Japan, the in Akihabara, there's probably three or even four Sega arcades, and these arcades take up every story of these large buildings. They generally isolate different things per floor. So on the first floor of the arcade, right there in the storefront on the ground level, they've got all your UFO machines, your claw machine games that you're going to play with your girlfriend or by yourself or with your friends or whatever. And a lot of times they'll put the really nice goods in the front window so that as you're walking by and you see that brand spanking new One Piece figure that's $120 usually or that PSP or that PS Vita or those video games, or that Wii U, or whatever it is, it's in that claw machine, and you want that, so you're going to come in and play. The claw machines in Japan are really challenging, and they're but they're also very interesting. They have, they have all kinds of different mechanisms inside the claw machine game to sort of trigger winning a prize. One of the most popular ones that I've seen is they'll have a sheet of paper that's holding a trap door closed. And the goal of the game is to lower a metal pin into the sheet of paper enough times that the sh- that the paper weakens and breaks. And if you can break the sheet of paper, then you get whatever is sitting on the trap door. 
normally it's some really great prize. I kind of equate this variety of the claw machine game to those to those um, games you play at, at fairs and um, carnivals in the United States where you try to shoot the red star out of the piece of paper with the BB gun. It's kind of like that. You're trying to poke enough holes in the paper to make the paper break. And then, then they've also got your standard claw machine game where just the claw comes down and grabs things. They usually reserve those for stuffed animals and stuff because I think those are a bit easier. They also have games where you're trying to fit like a little, um, a little rod into a tiny little hole where they've got games where you're where you're randomly pulling a metal chain and only one of the one of the numerous chains holds the trapdoor shut. They've got games where you're trying to push a rubber ball off of, off of a peg. They've got all kinds of stuff with these UFO games and generally they cost about um, about 100 yen per play. Uh, I've seen a lot of times they'll do six plays for 500 yen so you get a little bit of a better value there. But if it's a really good prize, like if they're offering that, that new $120 one-piece figure, a lot of times they'll charge you $2 per play. So it can be pricey. I mean, you can go through a lot of money in these claw machine games. I've seen people put $20, $30, $40 into a machine trying to win something and not get it. The other tricky thing is that as soon as you leave, let's say you put 40 bucks into these claw machine games and you leave and you get let's say you got really close to knocking that rubber ball off of its little perch. Well, you might have been scooting the ball closer and closer to the edge of the platform, but when you leave, the, the, the arcade attendants will walk around and reset the games put them back where they were when you started to make it especially difficult for the next person who comes. It's kind of crafty how they do that and maybe not fair all the time, but that's just how it is and you should be aware of it. As you work your way up the arcade, they normally reserve the second, third, and fourth floors for your rhythm games. They have a lot of cool rhythm games. They've got, they still have DDR. They've got My My, which is really popular. They've got the Taiko drum game. They've got, um, Probably at least 10 different types of popular rhythm games that you've never seen. And along with Project Diva, which is really popular all the time. So you're, if you're a fan of rhythm games, Japan's arcades are a great place for you to sort of try your, try your skill at, um, you know, at these games. But just don't compete with the Japanese people who come in there with like uniforms on and like, and like special touchscreen gloves because you're never going to compete with those guys. Then they've got the metal games. Metal games are kind of like that game you play at the beach where you put the quarter in the machine and the quarter tries to push other quarters off the ledge. It's basically like gambling, but except you can't actually win anything from the metal games. Uh, but these games are a lot more elaborate. Like the, my favorite game was a Mario Party metal game where you would, you would shoot the coins into the machine and try to get them to fall into various slots on the board. And if you do, it's you'll roll the Mario the Mario Party dice block, and you'll move that number of spaces on the on the game board, and then you'll land on mini games and play mini games, and you'll have, you know, roulette wheel bonus spins, and you'll battle Bowser and do all that awesome shit. The uh, the Mario Party metal game is a lot of fun. I actually hit two different jackpots on the metal game while I was in Japan. I hit it once playing with Cram, and I hit it once playing with Roko. So Chiaki and I never managed to get a jackpot despite playing together more than anybody else. But um, a lot of fun. They also have countless fighting games. They have uh, Mahjong games. They've got 
Uh, Dragon Ball games. They've got uh, Mario. They've got Mario Kart multiplayer racing games. They've got a lot of games that you see in anime, ba- games that animes are based off of. There's one where you sort of stand in front of a screen with dual handguns, and the handguns have controller sticks on the gun, and you can control how, you, how your person moves with the controller stick. So the gun is both for shooting and for moving. That game was very popular when I was in Japan, and I sucked really badly at it, so I got my ass whooped a lot at that game. And then as you work your way up to the top, for some reason on the top floors, they always put the Purikuda machines. And Purikuda stands for Print Club. And these are like the most epic of photo booths. Your girlfriend will drag you. The Japanese girls will drag you there, which you'll be glad to join them, I'm sure. But these photo booths are not your ordinary photo booths that you see sitting outside of a Walgreens or whatever. They have green screens inside of them where you can choose images to be your background. They have special effects imaging that will make your eyes larger. You know, Japanese people always want to look more Western. Western people, they always think they always think Westerners are more beautiful and more exotic. So much like an anime, they want their eyes to be wider and bigger. And so what they do is the photo booth will automatically make your eyes look bigger and rounder. And as a foreigner who already probably has big round eyes, you know, compared to Japanese people, your eyes are going to look extra big and like bug-eyed, which is going to make you look really funny. I recommend you check out the the Purikuda photo booths. When you get to the outside of them, they'll have little touch screens where they give you about five minutes to hand decorate and and, uh, basically Photoshop edit your photos yourself using the touch screen outside the booth. Um, it's it, you can add words, special effects, lighting. Um, you know, you can write on them. It's re- it's really kind of interesting. And then when you're done, they'll print out stickers and you know multiple sizes of the photos for you for your wallet for your, you know, to put on like stamp size photos. And I think you can have larger ones sent to your email address. It's pretty cool. And that whole thing costs about five bucks per go. So there's a lot of stuff you can do in the Sega arcades of Japan, and you could easily drain several hours and probably quite a bit of money playing all the arcade games in that they have to offer. Uh, I probably spent an average of about an hour in these arcades and probably spent about 25 bucks. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big spender. I like to play the rhythm games. The money tends to go a little farther when you're playing the rhythm games. Uh, um, sometimes because you have to wait in line to play them. You know, they're very popular. There's a lot of people waiting. But yeah, the arcades and the Sega arcades in Japan are are pretty impressive. I recommend you check them out. Now, since you're in Akihabara, you're in sort of the anime mecca of Tokyo. There's tons of shopping that you can do in Akihabara for anime goods. And of course, I'm going to recommend that if you were if you were to come with me, the first place I would take you is I would take you to the recycle shops. And I know, I know, recycle, it's old, it's used. But let me tell you, I, there's a guy in my office at work who bought this kid Goku figure. It's a go, it's a figure of Goku. He's about, about eight inches tall. It's, it's, it's a nice looking figure. It has some moving parts. He's holding his power pole. He's got his tail. And this guy spent quite a bit of money for his figure. Well, I have the exact same figure in our podcast studio. A lot of you have probably seen it live on a live in our live in our live show every Sunday. I bought this figure for two dollars. It looks almost it looks basically new. You'd never know that it was used. 
these recycle shops, they bring the goods into their shop, but they don't want to sell you some busted up piece of shit. So what they do is they clean it up real nice. I bought a I bought a figure of Jojo of Jotaro Kujo from Jojo's Bizarre Adventure and and his stand, Star Platinum. I bought both of those for a hundred bucks. And I'm telling you that new, they're probably a hundred dollars a piece minimum. These recycle shops are great. They're usually on the first floor of the buildings. They have open storefronts, so you can't miss them. And they have gla- they're full of glass cases. And if you walk through these shops, you could spend a lot of time in these stores. They're not that big, but they have a lot of selection of anime figures. And you could find a lot of stuff. There's tons of JoJo and One Piece and Dragon Ball and Naruto and just about anything you can imagine. It's in these recycle shops for about half the price that you'd spend in a new store. And honestly, the new stores aren't even going to carry things like JoJo because, you know, that's that just wasn't in style when I was there, you know. If you wanted if you happen to want an anime figure that's from an older show, you might not have a choice. So, they have lots of these recycle shops where you can buy some good anime figures. I would definitely take you to one of these first so you can try to find exactly what you want for a cheaper price. They have m- uh, multi-story anime good stores where you know you'll find your video games, your anime DVDs on the first floor of these stores. That you as you go up, you you run into all kinds of random merchandise. One time uh, when I was in Japan, I bought a bunch of merchandise for one of our character battles. I bought like a like a two thousand piece One Piece puzzle, uh, a like a, a coffee mug from Sket Dance, uh, just all kinds of random stuff. Dojinshi, you'll run into just about anything in these stores for literally for a fraction of the price you'd pay um, at an anime convention. So when you come to Japan, definitely bring like an empty tote bag inside your suitcase so you can fill that thing with anime goods and bring it on back to with you on the airplane as a carry-on. You're going to want to have the space, I'm telling you. Um, and, of course, the basement of some of these stores, although clearly marked so you don't accidentally walk into something you weren't intending, they have a lot of adult content, in, usually in the basement of the, st- of the stores. You can't miss it. It's 18+, plus. No, no cell phones, cameras are everywhere, and you go down into the basement of these places, and what you normally find is a guy sitting at a counter reading a magazine, very discreet, doesn't really want to bother you, and as you walk around, there's little TVs playing porn everywhere. Um, they'll have a little have a TV, let's just say in a uh, in a in a 700 square foot shop. They'll probably have 20 TVs playing pornography, and they have all kinds of stuff in the basement. And I know this is maybe not an, that's not a hentai episode we've got here. It's not an 18 plus episode, but Akihabara, especially after about five o'clock. You know, it sort of shifts a little bit. Some of the stores that aren't open during the day open up for the nighttime hours. And um, there is adult content in Akiba. It's just a fact of life. Even in the anime shops, there's tons of doujin, pornography, and you're going to run into it. It's just how it is. But you you can be pretty good about avoiding it for the most part. So for those of you that really shy away from that kind of thing, I would not feel like you can't go to Akiba because I feel like they make it pretty clear that there's going to be adult content in the store if it's there. Now, this is a very important point that I want to make. In Japan, this is something that you're going to like a lot. 
you'll see girls in Akihabara dressed as maids, and they'll be on the street, and they're going to be handing out flyers. Because in Akiba, there's probably at least a dozen maid cafes that you can visit, and they're almost always marketing it out on the street with flyers. The girls are really cute. They're going to be dressed as maids. Sometimes they've got, like, cat ears on. You know, the type of thing you'd expect of an anime fan, right? And I really want to... Re- please don't touch the girls. Don't take pictures with them. I've seen people harassing the girls before. They clearly are not allowed to take photos with you. Um, you don't want these girls to get in trouble. They're barely probably making it by anyway in Tokyo with a job like that. So they're probably like OPUB girls on the side anyway, so they probably live in a pretty hard life. But if you want to come up into the ma- into the cafe with them, the maid cafes are an interesting experience. As a foreigner, I feel like you won't you will not get as much out of it as you will as a Japanese person because the types of girls that are that are working at these maid cafes, you're not going to find like your educated college girl who speaks who speaks fairly good English. They're not going to be able to communicate with you, and you're they're probably because of that they're probably going to be very shy and feeling inadequate, and they're probably not going to want to really keep, you know talk with you very much. So. You're going to have the minimum experience in a maid cafe. But if you want to do it just because you want to be able to say that you went to a maid cafe in Japan, then I recommend you go. But just don't expect something too grandiose from them. There's going to be several maid girls up in the cafe. It'll be some kind of a theme. They'll have a theme inside the cafe, whatever it might be. A lot of the food is very cute. Japan likes to sort of modify its food depending on what the cafe is. The Gundam Cafe, which is also in Akiba, right outside the station. It's often I mean it has most of the most of its food is some kind of Gundam theme. They even draw like pictures of Huddle inside their coffee. And um yeah, it it's a good experience. I went one time and I never went again. It's kind of overpriced. I'd rather go to the Gundam Cafe if I'm gonna spend a bunch of money. Honestly, the AKB Cafe is right next to the Gundam Cafe, and you've never seen a sadder sight than 30 Japanese fully grown men waiting in line for hours for the AKB Cafe to open because they actually do put, like, their really low-ranking members in the cafe as, as like, waitresses. So these people are going, like, ape shit to see the, the made the idol girls. I imagine they're all really attractive. So... I would not recommend you eat at a maid cafe, though. You're probably going to be hungry by the time you get out of the arcade, and you're probably going to be extra hungry after you finish shopping in the anime store because I'm telling you, you're going to lose a couple hours in these places, and you've been traveling and walking around, and you're hungry. Well, there's a couple of really good spots in Akiba that I've been to many times, and one of my absolute favorite places to eat in Akiba... If Chiaki was here, she would know the exact exit number, but there is a Koku Ichibanya curry shop right at the top of a Tokyo Metro station stairwell. You'll come out of the station, you'll come out of the subway, you know, up the steps, and directly on your right is a Koku Ichiban. And Koku Ichiban is a curry chain in Japan that if you if you like curry, if you want to try Japanese curry, please go to Koku Ichiban. It is so good. They a couple highlights of the Kokuichiban 
are they have a spiciness meter that you can you can get the spicy level from between one and ten. It's one of the only places in Japan that I've ever been where I actually say the food is spicy, and it's you know a lot of times Japanese food can be kind of bland, but Kokuichiban really packs the the flavor punch. They um, I really like spicy food. I went to a hot sauce convention a couple weeks ago and bought a couple bought a several bottles of hot sauce. But I, I won't get my curry hotter than a 4 out of 10. I find that if it gets hotter than that, it kind of ruins the meal for me because I'm struggling to eat it. It's legit. If Chiaki gets a 0, it has no spice whatsoever. So even if you don't like spicy food, you can definitely go to Kokuichiban and enjoy it. It's uh, really fantastic. You can, get, uh, you can get onion rings in your curry. You can get your curry with cheese on top. You can get your curry with pork katsu, which is what I almost always do. You can get hard-boiled eggs. I love doing that. You can get scr- you can get scrambled eggs on top of your rice. A lot of times, this is and this is fantastic. They'll put the rice, they'll put the curry in the bowl or on the plate or whatever, and you'll have like your your potatoes, your green beans, your carrots. Those are the most common vegetables that go in Japanese curry. And on the side of the plate, they'll have like a mountain of rice, and they tend to serve you rice in, ma- in, gra- in uh, increments of 100 grams. I think it starts at like 200 grams, and then you can add 50 grams for like a, for like a couple extra yen, or add 100 grams of rice for you know extra. So the rice and the curry are kind of separate, and they touch you know they touch in the middle. And normally, what I do is I'll scoop the rice out and dip it in the curry, and that's really great. But if you get the if you get the scrambled eggs, they'll literally scramble the eggs and pour them on top of the rice, and it makes like this. It, it's not runny or anything, but it makes like this layering of of scrambled egg on top of the rice, and it's just unbelievable. And then they have the katsu sauce, which is so good. Normally, when I go to Kokuichiban, I'll get like a a level three uh, pork katsu kare with uh, with uh, vegetables, and I'll get the scrambled egg on top of the rice, and I'll normally get a side salad with maybe another with like a hard-boiled egg on top of it, and then I usually top it off with a, with a 100-yen iced coffee. It's a really unbelievable meal. I mean, Cram and I, Cram loves Kokuichiban. We used to go all the time, and he would get like some uh, some really, like a huge plate of curry. Like, uh, that man loves his curry, I'm telling you. And... It's really good. The other place to go in Akiba that we love to go to is Moss Burger. It's right, not because Moss Burger is some extraordinarily good place to eat. I mean, there's several other burger chains in Japan that are just as good as Moss Burger, but it's right in the middle of the strip where all of the rest of the anime stuff is. So you could literally walk out of your anime shop, take a right, walk for 10 seconds, and you're at the Moss Burger. So you don't really have to leave the anime area. So you're not going to waste any time. The Kokuichi Bond's not is not out of the way either. In fact, it's right now. It's right outside the station. So you could kind of hit it on the way to the anime stuff, or it's and it's kind of just on the fringe of the anime area. So you don't really go out of your way for that either. But Moss Burger is also really good. They also have a Mr. Donut, which you which you could go to afterwards. And Mr. Donut and um, Dunkin' Donuts are basically the same company. I think Mr. Donut actually owns Dunkin' Donuts. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, I have to. I need, I need to check on that, but they're definitely affiliated in some way. And they have really good 
um, donuts that you may not have had before. They have this style of donut that's called a. They, they come in these little ring. They're like donuts, but they it's a donut shape that's made of donut holes. So imagine like six donut holes that are fused together in a in a ring, and you can pull them apart and eat them separately. And they're kind of chewy. I don't know how they create those, but they're really fantastic. Um, and if for, and for the extra donut lover, you can get your hole punch, Mr. Donut card. And um, fill it up to get your Didakuma special edition plate. Chiaki has like four of those. So th- there's a lot of good stuff that you can do in Akiba to eat. I recommend that you have some non-chain food experiences while you're in Japan also. But for just staying in the Akiba area, something that's fast and cheap, those are some really good options for you. There is some weird shit that you can do in Akiba. If you're with me, I might take you to a weird place. I took a podcast listener to, to the Mimikaki. I've talked about the Mimikaki on hentai episodes, but it's like a place where you pay money to lay your head in a girl's lap while she sits on the floor in a kimono, and she picks all your earwax out with a metal instrument. And it's supposed to have be like this motherly, nurturing experience. It's not sexual at all, but it's supposed to be like this motherly thing where this girl kind of just takes care of you. And I kind of get it, but uh, I wouldn't do it. I probably wouldn't do it again because, you know, it's like 40 bucks an hour or 40 bucks for half an hour or whatever it was. And it didn't didn't exactly improve my hearing or anything. It is a good opportunity to have a one-on-one with a Japanese girl who who is probably extraordinarily cute. And you can practice your Japanese on her because she probably, again, won't speak English. And that's always nice. They also have the Cuddle Cafe. I talked about the Cuddle Cafe in the uh, Many Breasts Inside Japanese Sex Clubs panel that, that you can get to on our on our Patreon account. But the the Cuddle Cafe is not really sexual either. But you'll pay you'll pay like by the hour to just lay next to a girl on a futon, and this is mostly for I think for curious foreigners and for. Japanese men who just work too much and don't have to, either don't have time to have a girlfriend or are too shy or don't know how to socialize and so they pay money to have that feeling of a, of connection to a girl which is kind of sad and it's kind of like cuddle prostitution but it it's a thing you can look it up cuddle cafe um I think it's like cuddle cafe soy soinya or let me see if I can find this real quick cuddle cafe Soineya is the name. S O I Y E S O I N E Y A. But do not. This is not safe for work because there's lots of pictures of girls wearing like really tight shorts, and you don't want to get caught at work looking at Japanese girls wearing like I don't know ass hugger underwear, ass hugger underwear pajamas. Hot though they are. I think I'll leave this photo open while I talk to you. So there's that. There are some other places in, in Akiba you can go um, that are kind of perverted and or weird. Like there's porn, lots of porn stores that are multi-floor. And it seems like the farther up the store you get, the weirder it gets. You get to like your sex dolls at the top, which is kind of odd. Um, but honestly, you're probably not going to be spending too much time in those places unless you're just, unless you're just curious. So I wouldn't, you know recommend you spend a lot of time in there plus you plus unless you have four thousand dollars to spend you're probably not going to want to buy a uh, like a sex robot so aside from all the anime goods 
the different restaurants, the arcades, the maid cafes. Akihabara is also, again, it's known as the electric town, and they have countless electronic stores in Akihabara. Some of the most popular things I've seen sold are cameras. The Japanese people love taking pictures, and for some reason, they always have really high-quality uh, cameras. They buy Canon and Sharp. They spend tons of money on their cameras. There is a shop in Akihabara called Yodobashi Camera. And Yodobashi Camera is one of the most famous electronic stores in the world. It's something like 12 stories tall, and the layout of every floor of the building is quite large. I think you can literally probably buy any electronic you can possibly think of at Yodobashi Camera. Obviously, they're famous for cameras, but I've bought uh, podcast recording equipment there. I've seen TVs there. I've seen um, like like GoPros, little helicopters, remote control cars, uh, and then everything down to like batteries and your basic uh, components and, and accessories for electronics. Don't miss out on Yodobashi Camera. Even if you're not planning on buying any electronics, you want to be able to say you at least went to Yodobashi. It's really famous. It's not hard to find. The building is mostly yellow. I'm not going to talk much about it because it's not really anime-related. But Yodobashi Camera is worth checking out, especially if you want to buy some electronic goods. Otherwise, there are little side shops where people will stand outside and scream things at you in Japanese, trying to get you to come in and look at their random selection of electronics goods. Those shops are fine. Go check them out if you want to, but Yodobashi Camera is basically where it's at. So believe it or not, guys, I'm actually going to wrap up this story time, mostly because it's really hard to do these these little episodes solo. Uh, the voice gets tired, and uh, you know I, I think a lot of you that listen to our podcast have absorbed a lot of the information that we have to offer about Akihabara. I wish I could take some of you there personally. I've only had the opportunity to go to Akiba with two or three of our podcast listeners. I wish I could take more of you. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe in the future, if you're ever going to Japan and I happen to be in the country, reach out to us. And I'll definitely I'll definitely come over by train and meet you in Akihabara, and we'll, and we'll do something cool. But um, I hope you guys enjoyed this Storytime episode. I hope it was a little bit interesting for you. And, uh, of course, if you liked it, remember to leave us some feedback on our website or you could send me an email at aaamitsugi at gmail.com or you can write an iTunes review and tell us how you liked it. It's just that the point is if you like the episode tell us so so that we'll know you liked it. If people like it maybe we'll do more of them. But um, we'll be back with the regular podcast very soon so hang tight and we'll be back before you know it with uh, episode 296 of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Be safe and uh, I'll see you later.